Arba Talks, inspiration for creating a sustainable and fulfilling life. Hello and welcome to our podcast series dedicated to discovering new, creative and sustainable ways for making choices that empower you to live a happy and meaningful life. In our today's conversation with our special guest Eva Wibrecht, the director of the International Virginia Satir Institute of Germany, We see how bringing our shadows or the repressed parts of our being out into the light allows us to connect to a deeper wisdom and a more profound understanding of ourselves and also enriches our interactions with the people around us. Enjoy! Hello Eva and welcome back. Hi Alina, nice to see you. We are having this conversation at the beginning of the holiday season and we are now getting closer and closer to Christmas time and we all know that a few days before Christmas is actually the winter solstice which is the the longest night so Mm -hmm. the uh, darkest night and Maybe it would be a good reason to bring forth a very deep topic and a very controversial topic. That is the dark or the shadow, as we also call it in in psychology or in in therapy. Mm -hmm. So my first question uh, to you today would be, how do you define the dark or the shadow? I think that's a great question. <laughs> I think that probably multiple, you know, multiple versions to, de- to define it. You know, when I take a perspective of me as a child, as a, I guess, five-year-old, um, I was afraid of sleeping in the dark, which I think is kind of a, um, a topic a lot of children are hitting. We, um, I used to keep a light on to be able to fall asleep. And I used to um, ask my parents to keep the door open because I was very much afraid of the dark. So somehow um, there was a narrative for me that the dark is something negative or the shadow. And I used to also, when I remember as growing up, I, I was um, in... Ah, what is it called? The, the scouts? Yeah. Scouting? Um, do you have that too? Where you go on different like nature adventures and things like that? I don't know. Probably, yes. And so I was a scout um, in my growing up. And, as a, uh, and, and you're like probably about 10 or 11. And they used to do night walks you know, and, and it's usually very adventurous and fun. And I, I was very afraid of the night walks. Um, so in my growing up, darkness and shadow has had always a negative connotation. And when we think about, when I think about Jung, I, I think um, about it in a very positive way because I, it, you know, he had a saying that if a tree wants to grow all the way into the lightness of the heavens, it needs roots that are deep digging deep down into, into the deepest grounds. 
and and if you want to make it heaven and hell then you need the roots of the hell in order to grow into the heavens um so in jung's um understanding the shadow or the darkness is something that is the foundation it's the roots it's the grounding in order to grow into your highest potential and so for me um, now as a um, as a grown-up as a therapist who also works mostly in the family therapy field in the family systems field i am um, have become interesting enough a fan of the darkness, a fan of the shadow sides, because what I learned throughout my work is that when I want to take a next step into growth, to find peace and a new relationship with our inner darkness, a positive relationship with what we seemingly have a negative connotation with is precisely where we will bring light to our highest potential. So I have grown into from being very afraid in my personal growing up about the darkness and the shadow to that's where your deepest potential and that's where your deepest authentic self lies. So if we want to bring a next level of development to ourself, darkness is our friend and it's complementing the parts that we already know about ourselves and growing into the next um, into a next level. So I have a very positive connotation, and the poets do like to write about those darkness and shadow places as well very much. Mm -hmm. You have a poetic reference to that. <laughs> I actually do. I have a friend, um, Nicola Force. Um, who is a beautiful poet and teacher and he wrote in his book Endless Horizon about the dialogue in the dark and um, maybe I can read that Please. from a poetic point of view. So he said, dialogue in the dark, the sighted miss what the blind see. The eyes to the heart requires no light to see truth and beauty. We all know the courage it takes, with or without eyes, to speak out in the dark. To find the patience and take the time to practice the art of true listening. It's only through a dialogue in the dark that we see each other clearly. The dark gives permission to drop our pretense. It allows us to lose the world and find ourselves. The dark provides space enough for each of us, those who live from the eyes, those who live from the ears, and those who live by touch, stand on equal ground. So don't be fooled by those who say, seeing is believing. Genuine faith comes from the heart and not the eyes. The dark forgives what the light will not let go of. And no secret is too deep or too dangerous for the dark. So let us stop taking sides. Let us stop seeing that difference. Let us instead start our dialogue in the dark by shedding the world we have lived in, the world that has limited us by sacrificing the space we share together and by looking at each other with the eyes of the heart 
then we will truly see, no matter how big our difference or how great our disabilities, the truth of beauty that shines in all of us. Wow. So what I really like about this is that it brings um, a positive light to the shadow and, and actually teaches us that we need both in order to really see truth more deeply. And it begins with us. So part of what I look into when I work with people is what are the parts of themselves that they really don't know about themselves as much and that they may have discounted over the years and put into the dark or Virginia Satir would call it the hungry dogs in the basement. Like some of the parts of ourselves that we had to lock away, put into the basement and bringing them back into a lightful conversation and, and bring more relationship connection to those elements so that we can be more fully human. Hmm. I noticed that a lot of people are creating unconscious perception of the shadows that they think they, they have to hide from or they need to put into the basement. What do you think that would be helpful for a person to somehow be able to face the shadows or to first be able to meet with them? I have a really nice practice that I like to offer to people um, that is based on Virginia Satir's format that's called the parts party. And um, what you could do is actually um, take a piece of paper and then divide the piece of paper with one column that says like, and the other one says dislike or light and dark. I could divide it this way. And then allow about five characters that are, that are coming to your mind, just as you think about it, that you really admire and that you feel like those are people of light and write them out. And that could be maybe um, Judy Garland um, because you, you admire her grace or that could be Marley, maybe Marilyn Monroe because you find she's very feminine. So light people and then you add the attributes, adjectives to them. What are the adjectives that they carry that you find very positive? And then on the other side, you bring negative characters onto this piece of paper and another five or so, also with adjectives. And what I'd like to then have people look at is like seeing all of them, see the adjectives that you have a like and dislike to, so that, you know, the one would be considered then more the dark side or the shadow. And then consider a context, consider a situation where whatever you call the positive characters and the positive adjectives could be a negative because in this context, it's not very helpful. And to go reverse, go the other way around, take what seemingly is on the dark side and create a situation, create a context where exactly what you wrote down as seemingly negative is what's essential and needed and important. So what I want to do is then um, whatever has been divided into, into light 
and dark or liked and disliked. We want to bring that and interchange it to what is a specific context where both of them could be on that side or the other side. So we, we, we're loosening the fixations. And I think that's a nice beginning step of um, looking at things that we... Could we, you provide us with an example of what can be a good trait and a negative? So what, uh, yeah, so for example, if I have a positive uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, Jerry Lewis, and, and um, I find him to be very funny, then um, if I take the funny that is very much on a like and I, I place that adjective to um, a funeral, then maybe in a specific situation, the funeral, that is not a very positive adjective to have because it seems to be inappropriate um, because maybe the gathering of people that are coming together are not in a funny mood. And this may not be the right time to bring lightness into the situation. Um, so there may be a context where that's an inappropriate thing, even though I have a positive context to it. Then um, let's say I have, which is usually um, somebody you would have in a parts party or in, in one of those um, divisions. Let's say I put Hitler into my negative and all there is is destruction and I have a total negative connotation on that. Let's create, let's, let's be creative and, and see when would be a context where that destructive energy um, could be important in order to create something um, helpful. Um, so what comes to my mind is um, when my loved niece would be in harm in my presence that aggressive destructive energy may be something that i want to have because i don't want to be standing still and frozen and not put action to some of my loved one maybe being in a very very dangerous situation so depending on a very specific situation by choice I would like certain energies, certain qualities to have present to me so that I can make use of them and take action to them. That would be one example for me that comes off the top of my mind as, as you ask me. Mm -hmm. How do you think that the knowing, that the inner knowing of oneself is relevant in the context of facing the shadows and transforming them? I think the inner knowing is a, is a, is a big important piece. Um, and, and usually I suggest that you look a little bit into your, into your chronological order and, and also into your history growing up. Like when I work with a family, I usually have them do a family map of three generations and ask them to gather different type of um, information about family members and I usually find the more we gather information about, um, especially the people that we have never met, that are kind of seemingly in the dark, grandfathers, grandmothers, and what their story was, it brings light to a lot of the um, unknown aspects in ourselves. Like I found qualities 
in myself that made a lot of sense as I knew, as I learned a lot more, more about my grandmother from my father's side, who for me was mostly in the dark, as I never met her. She was, she died before I was born. But getting to know more and more and more about her actually allowed me to learn more about myself. And it allowed me to bring more of myself to myself because it made more sense. And then I could put it more in the larger family context. And I felt a greater sense of belonging to my family too. So I find when we bring more information, if we bring more light to the unknown aspects of our growing up, of our history, that could also be cultural history and you know, like the, the religion I grew up with, all the different aspects that have an influence and impact on us, the more we gather those informations without overanalyzing them, but just kind of bringing a bigger picture to us. It's, it's almost like a big uh, mosaic, you know, it's, it's, it's a big painting, it's a big picture, it's a piece of art, how humans are interdependent and also influenced by each other. The more we gather those information, the more we learn about ourselves, and the more we can choose to how we want to navigate ourselves into the future by choice rather than by automatics that are driving us. And usually what happens is whatever I don't know about myself is driving automatically how I'm navigating myself in life. The more I know about myself, the more I can take charge of it. And so I usually propose to bring light to all the known and unknown and much more. Actually, that was another question I, I wanted to ask you. From your experience, what are some of the ways that people use to avoid facing the shadows or the, the dark? You know, usually um, we grow, grow up with protection mechanisms. We grow up with coping mechanisms. And um, those are helping us to not sense, feel certain certain aspects um, one version is i project whatever i don't that i don't own in myself whatever i don't like in myself or i don't know about myself i project it onto other people so i see seemingly the badness the darkness in other people but if i see it in somebody else i have it in me too it's a way of saying not me but you and that is a signal of um, I'm not owning parts of myself, but I project it out to other people. In the Satya model, we call that the blame um, stance, meaning I don't own um, what I have in myself. I protect myself from going there and I, I can project it and blame it onto other people. Another version is I am very self-critical. So it's on one level, I... I am blaming myself for certain things, but it's also that I'm not owning it. I'm making myself a victim. That's another version to avoiding really feeling um, different aspects of ourselves. I can numb myself. I can go onto computer and completely numb myself and not feel um, what I could feel possibly. And I can completely distract myself. I can you know, um, look at um, binge watching Netflix and 
let myself be entertained by all sorts of things. So, so another element is I'm completely distracting myself from myself and I'm basically going into fantasy land and not being really present and embodied in myself. But if we want to live a free, healthy and whole life, we got to come back to an embodied way of feeling all the many aspects of ourselves liked or disliked because all of it is energy that is driving us in a certain direction and whatever i don't own in myself is taking charge of me and those are the automatics and if i don't know how to handle it i will protect myself with copings but those automatics will drive my life and if I want to bring it to a certain direction, it's helpful to get to know about my protection mechanisms and then go deeper and really feel all the many aspects of myself so that I can learn more who I have become so that I can choose to who I want to grow into in the future. What would be some of the resources that a person that is going through this process can, can make use of? Well, as you know, I, I, I find the satir work one of my greatest resources to, to really practically learn what it means to fully own your own self. Um, on a daily practice, um, I could, um, and I think I did propose this idea another time, but I could basically use every encounter I have with another person and then sense how I feel in my body as I connect with them, known or unknown. If they provide a really positive feeling in, in me, then I could ask myself the question, what are they representing in their presence that allows me to feel really good inside of myself? And so maybe when we connect, and I feel um, very warm in my heart and I feel very safe, then I could ask myself, in your presence, I feel this warmth and I feel the safe, safety in this relationship. Um, so how does this relationship that we created allow me to, to really um, own this aspect inside of myself more and more? To, to really make it my own, but then also take other encounters I have where I feel challenged or I feel triggered. I don't feel so good in their presence. And then honestly, really honestly dig in deep and say, as I meet this person that's really triggering me, what is it that they reflect back to me that I may have as a shadow or as a sleeping potential of don't go there, dislike that they represent and reflect back to me. And what would allow me to make friends befriend more of that aspect in me? So take every opportunity I have with every person that I connect and encounter to use them as a good mirror, as a reflection back to likes to be strengthened, but also dislikes to be getting to know more about and to be friend. And I have another exercise, which is actually coming from the Buddhist tradition. And they have something that's called feeding the demons. And what you actually do is you're finding something that you're really 
you're finding some some um, aspect in your body like let's say I feel this anger in me and I'm not supposed to be angry and where it lives in my body is maybe this fiery place in my heart and rather than trying to avoid it or you know trying to drink alcohol so I don't I, I don't feel it I actually want to tune to that place and be curious about it and then invite this area of my heart to take a seat across of me so I will give it a proper distance and to have an interesting conversation with this aspect in me that I don't really know about that much myself or I may have a negative description. I'm externalizing this seemingly demon. I personalize it by making it a character. So it becomes um, maybe an animal or it becomes a person. So I, I will visualize what that could be represented or I ask my unconscious to let an image come that best, best represents that body feeling that's now sitting across to me and then I will ask some questions what is it that you want from me what is it that you're trying to teach me what is it that you're trying me to understand from you so I'm adding a curious question about what do you want what are you trying to teach me? Why have you come to me? And what's important for me to get to know, to listen? And as I'm asking those questions, I'm kind of waiting for an answer to come or at least sit with those questions and make the assumption that this aspect is now very present because it's an, it's an education for me. There's something that I need to learn that's important. And then the other question is, what do you need from me? And then in the Buddhist tradition, you're actually imagining how, you, how you're feeding with the golden light, the demon, with everything that they ask you to get from you, with everything that they need to get from you. So there's a golden light that I'm feeding the demon until it's satisfied with everything that they ask you for. Then once that process has done and complete, you invite them to come back into you and see what resource or what gift, what present to Christmas they bring to you. And usually I find that they bring um, a great uh, wisdom, they bring a great a jewel of insightfulness or um, maybe a loving message or protection or something. And so that's another practice that's um, really interesting. Yeah, that's really, really very interesting what you shared with us today. And I want to thank you for, for everything that you shared and for, for the insights and for the light that you you shed on, on the dark and on the, uh, on the shadows and looking forward to other conversations. Yeah, me too. Thanks for asking. And that was our today's episode of our Choices series. Let us know your opinion about the topics we touched and make sure you share it with the people that would most benefit from listening to it. To be sure you are not missing out on important topics for you, simply subscribe to our channel and get notified when new episodes are released. Until next time, 
Stay healthy, centered, connected, and committed to design the life that you want.